In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Today is a day, ironically, about power. You might think, what is so powerful about a day when we celebrate, we mark, we remember the death of our Savior? We see so many uses of power, different power. You have the chief priests who think they can use their power to get to the rulers to be rid of a threat, a danger, to get this man, who was a nuisance to them, who tried to turn things around, out of the way. And in that power, they resort to using the name of Caesar. If you are not going to convict this man, then you are an enemy to the power of the state. Puts it into the hands of Pontius Pilate, who himself feels he has power. So he goes to the people and says, look, we have two people here. We have a convicted criminal and we have a man who I think is innocent. The masses exert their power. Crucify him. Crucify him. They use their voice, they use their shouting, they use their power, they use their numbers to get what they want done. Pontius Pilate goes back to our Lord and says, why are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to sentence you to death or to set you free? And then comes the real power. Our Lord says to him, you can do nothing unless it has been given to you from above. The power of this world takes many forms. It takes many shapes. It's soft, it's hard, it's political, it's economic, it's personal, it's global. So many ways that we try to influence. And so why is it that a church can today gather in its numbers and how is it that the church of God in its different manifestations, whichever calendar it uses, can gather in its numbers to celebrate an apparent defeat? How does this make sense? How does it make sense that today we gather in these numbers to celebrate our Savior crucified? Surely, surely, you would celebrate a success, a triumph. You see, that's exactly what this is. Because it turns the world on its head. It changes the concept of power. In our own interactions, in our own dealings, how do we deal with each other? This is not just about our salvation. This is a lesson for us all. The real power is the power of love. 
It is the power of sacrifice. It is the power of offering. It is the power of washing feet. It is the power of healing lepers. It is the power of making oneself of no reputation. It is the power of being an outcast, being rejected for the right reasons. It is the power of the crucified Christ. Because of course we see his power in the resurrection. But in my mind and today, I'm seeing his power on the cross. How much power did it take to not come down from that cross? How much power did it take to not react to the soldiers spitting on him? How much power did it take to not tell the rulers that they actually had no authority? How much power did it take to stay on that cross and be insulted and rebuked and mocked and yet have the power to do whatever he wanted because he was the creator of everything around him? That is power. The power of counting to five before you say the thing that is going to hurt someone. The power of withholding authority that may injure someone. The power of not acting even if you're going to win because it will break somebody else. That's a lesson for us. It's a lesson for us to celebrate the real power. Because you know, every win on this earth is not necessarily a win. Some wins are really losses. When we win at the expense of somebody else, even as Christians, if we walk around and become triumphalist, you know, we're great, we're good, these people are all going not to heaven. Is that really powerful? Is that real power? Am I really representing the crucified, victorious Christ when I go out there and become triumphalist and tell people that I'm better than them? Is it really power when I go into an argument and I win it? And I win it, but I hurt the person in front of me. You see, the one thing we learn year after year after year is the Christian life is not about the quick wins. This was not a quick win. This was a long, painful journey. A journey of generations, and then a journey of 30 years, then a journey of three years, then a journey of a week, then a journey of three days, and then the resurrection and then salvation, and then redemption, and then victory. This is what it looks like to win, to walk in the footsteps of our Savior. You know, if you look at celebrity these days, 
whether it's the way you dress or the way you do your hair or how you speak or what you, where you eat or what you drive or where you live, you want to look like the person you're trying to emulate because that in itself is a way of achieving status. If we want to emulate our Savior, it's going to look very different. Our humble Savior, not only born in a manger, but fleeing as a refugee, and then coming back and being internally displaced, and then living quite a simple life as the son of a carpenter, as far as everyone was concerned, and then being mocked and ridiculed for bringing a teaching that no one wanted, and then being targeted and attacked for trying to change things that no one wanted to change. But then we see the King of Glory risen and victorious. Our journey through life will have its wins and will have its losses. We should never ever assess our wins and our losses on single moments, but on our whole life. If we have wins, we can get a peak. That's great. If we have losses, we can get a drop. That's horrible. But where is our whole life going? And what does it mean? And how do I live it? As I said, today is about power. We can choose earthly power. We can choose the power of our position and our finances and our status and our numbers, our influence. But today shows us that all of that comes to an end because the real power was the power of the servant Christ who put all humankind before him, who ascended to the cross willingly, who conquered death powerfully, and who rose from the tomb victorious. And glory be to God forever.